Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, well, I a couple weeks ago, if you... I mean, you guys know me. You know I teaching is my forte as far as when it comes to kids teaching in school and things like that. So in school, you are always thinking about what's the theme for the month. So, you know, September's apples and going back to school and then October's pumpkins and leaves and fall. And so whenever we get together as a, as a pastoral team and we're trying to figure out, like, what are we going to speak about and stuff, I'm always like... This is the month before Easter. We need to be teaching about Easter. It needs to be all about Easter. And how do we tie this in? And that's why last week, he's I, when he told me what he's speaking on, that's why I said, how does that relate to Easter? Because I know how people think. We're all thinking ahead to what's coming, right? And so it only makes sense to me that we would just be, you know, surrounding what we're speaking on and what we're going after with that because our brains are already there. And so all that to say is I'm running my mouth about that to him. He's like, that's awesome. You're going to speak on Palm Sunday. So anyway, I'm excited because for me, when I think of Palm Sunday, it automatically connects, just, just connects me to, with worship. And you guys also know that that is the other part of my heart. And that is just, I love to worship. I see the value in worship. It's not just a 20 minute song session for me. It's, it's becoming and is a part of my life. And so I just think when you think of the triumphal entry, that is to me, all that I could think of is just, you know, what was happening in the atmosphere and how that they, how they were worshiping as he entered. And so I'm just going to talk really briefly. and I'm just going to use like a few verses. And then I just wanted, I told the team, I'm like, somebody needs to be listening because we're coming back to worship. And so I don't know about you, but either A, you're getting out early if you don't want to stay in worship, or B, you get to stay and have like 15-minute worship session. So it's your choice, but that's what we're going to do. And so we're going to start in Matthew, Matthew 21, and read the story. I have notes all over the world right now, and I just hope to Jesus that my highlighting will help me know where I'm going. So let's do Matthew 21. I'm going to read it, and then I'll refer to different verses. Okay. Matthew 21, and I'm going to do 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked, and the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
All right. So we're going to just kind of dissect a few of those verses um, and just kind of connect it to worship and um, hopefully break off any struggles you have during worship, um, things that prevent you from really being able to get into, understand, and fully just worship, whatever that looks like for you. And I just want to start by saying that, you know, worship comes in so many different, like, arrays and, and opportunities and demonstrations and all of these types of things. And, and I want to start by this challenge for you is that we were made to worship and so therefore, we are always worshiping something. There is never a moment where we're not worshiping something. So that's my challenge thought for you is like, we are always worshiping something or someone. And so because we were made to worship, it's just in our nature. We're just constantly like, that's what our desire is. Um, and so where the disconnect begins to happen is like, well, what is it that actually we, we are or who are we worshiping, right? Because I just started thinking about this this week, and I thought, oh my goodness, whatever my thought patterns are going towards, now I'm not saying if we're thinking about the actual task at hand, the job that we're in, or, you know, I'm saying like, we do need to be focused on those things. But what is the, what is happening in the waves of our heart? What's happening in the back scene of our brain? What's the thing that's constantly flowing out of us? Like, what that is, is what we are constantly worshiping. And so it, it, um, lunch a couple weeks ago, we were just talking about, like, the women were gathered, and we were talking about the thoughts that are continually flowing in our brains about, like, our bodies, how we look, what we're not happy about. When we're looking in the mirror, we're thinking about our wrinkles and not, wow, God made me. I'm amazing. So do you see how, like, that could easily sway from this is what I worship as I'm worshiping me, whether or not I like me, do you know that even if you don't like yourself and you're not happy with yourself, you can still worship yourself because that's all you're constantly thinking about and all of this and on and on and on. And so we're, or is our heart posture and what's in us and what's naturally coming out of us, just this, this desire, this, this pure worship of him, like, God, thank you for making me. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that wrinkle, but like, I know you are. And thank you for making me. Not to wrinkle. Okay? So I just want to challenge you that as we go along, like, we were born and we were made to worship. So therefore, we will always be worshiping something or someone. Okay. Um, I'm can just letting you know, like, I never, ever, 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 ever want to stand up here and make you feel like I have mastered anything I'm talking about. So I'm in a continual journey, and while I love to worship and it's it's like the main thing for me, like I'm just, I can stand here and be like, I just got conviction this week because I was like, oh my gosh, I think, I think I'm like putting different things in different little bowls or bags or something, and some days I'm just worshiping me, and some days I'm just worshiping this, and some days I'm just worshiping this idea, and some days I'm just worshiping this dream, and, you know, and so just like, I just want you to know, like, I haven't mastered this. God is revealing in me, like, some things that I'm worshiping and not realizing it because I'm separating things, and so anyways, that's the, there's that. Okay, so um, let's just start with verse 7, and verse 7, 21, 7, it says, um, they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Okay, so I like to dissect things and I like to look at verses and different words and things and see kind of what, what's symbolic in those, in those things. And so 
as I'm reading into the donkey, okay, here are a couple things you need to know. Number one, the donkey is not used, or I'm sorry, donkeys are not used to someone unless they know them. So, like, it's not like you could just go grab this donkey and, like, he's completely fine with someone random hopping on him, right? Um, the, whole, the whole thing is, though, the donkey came, and when, the, when Jesus got on the donkey, like, the donkey was completely fine. And, and so, it's like, Jesus brought this, this humbleness. Jesus carried this peace about him. And so, it was like, automatically, the donkey's like, oh, this is someone I know, right? And, and so, um, as I was studying into it, a lot of times when kings entered different arenas or cities or whatever, they, they, ha they, could come in, they would come in on a horse. And the horse, symbolic of war and wanting to be aggressive and let's take this thing down. But I just think as I was thinking about that and praying into that, it's like Jesus came in on a donkey for so many different reasons. It's not like he was just randomly like, hey, go grab this animal. No, there was things behind it that's important for us to know. And that is like he was humble. He carried peace, and he was trying to come into the city to, to connect with the common people. He didn't desire to stir up this aggression. If he came in on a horse, you know, you, you imagine it. Like the week that we were talking, I think it was last week, when I pictured Jesus coming in on a horse. Man, I'm picturing him like, you know, I'm getting down because it's that there's that like authority, I guess you could say. And not that when he came in on the donkey, there wasn't the authority there, but there was this peace and this opportunity for the common people to connect with him. They could feel that connection. Okay, verse eight. Most of the crowd sp spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I love this. As I started to look into this, okay, so they laid out, some laid out garments, and some laid out branches. Now, garments mean and represent value and importance, uh, almost like a royalty, like, like laying those garments down, it was like, oh, man. Like, they knew who, who was coming in. Like, they, even though he wasn't the, the king, they're like, this is royalty, and they're laying down these garments, right? Um, the branches equal victory. I'm like, ah, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know if these people knew. I don't know if they knew that as they are laying the branches down, they're actually prophesying. So sometimes our worship is actually prophesying because them laying these things down was a form of worship. And as, as they were using those branches, they were actually prophesying the victory that was getting ready to happen. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Obviously, they didn't know he was going to be crucified. They didn't know these things. But it's just like, I love the Lord. Like, so many times, and we talked about this at the women's conference, he's going ahead of us, working in situations and circumstances. And even in that moment, these people laying these branches down, prophesying victory that was coming. I'm like, oh, so good. So good. Also representing a victory of the spirit over the flesh, okay? So I was thinking about this. As we are in worship, we actually have an opportunity to, a lot of this stuff, I hope that it's not boring because it's a lot of stuff I always say, but it's just, we're just going to say it. We have this opportunity to cultivate this atmosphere where all of a sudden the spirit 
because of as we're worshiping and what we're cultivating, the spirit suddenly is getting ready to take over the flesh. And so that in those moments, see, there's so much stuff that's just going on. It's not just that we're singing to him and just that in itself with our heart posture to him is enough. But there's so much else that's happening as we're doing that and we're stirring up things in the atmosphere. Why, why do we... Why is it that in those moments is moments people are receiving healing? There's breakthrough that's happening. We're clearly hearing the Lord. It's because suddenly we've created this atmosphere where the spirit is now taking over the flesh and breakthrough is happening. Deliverance is happening. Healing is happening. All these things. I love the thing I think I love about worship is it's a give and a take. It's this opportunity for a give and a take. And, and that's the thing is, we worship him because of who he is, period. But then there's this, so that's our gift. But then there's this thing that we get to take and we get to receive because in that, because he's such a good father, because he's not just one that would just stand there and just receive, 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 although he loves it, he also is wanting to give back. So there's just this automatic byproduct that comes that as we're giving and as we're pouring out our heart, things are automatically happening on, on our end too. So good. It's so unlike normal human relationship. We pour out our heart. How many of you have people in your life pour out our heart? We pour out our heart. We love them well. We, you know, we're thinking about them. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then there's nothing that's coming back. And that just gets tiring. And I'm and don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that that we always do things to get something. But man, in a healthy relationship, when we're pouring out and it's going back, it's a give and a take and a give and a take. Oh, it's so good. And guess what? It's not just giving and giving and giving, but it's there's actually this opportunity for us to just be completely vulnerable and transparent. Because the thing is, we all know, he knows our heart anyway. He already knows what we're struggling with. Actually, sometimes he knows our issues and we just want the answer, but it's not coming yet. And that's okay. But in these moments, when we're having this opportunity to just pour our heart, be open, be vulnerable, it's such an opportunity to dig deeper and go deeper with him. Okay, so the branches and the garments. All right, verse 9. By the way, I just want to say that, like, up room is the best ever worship place ever. I'm not kidding. It's like best worshipers ever. Okay. Verse nine, Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. So I'm going to talk about the first part there where it says Jesus was in the center of the procession. Okay. How many of you know that I don't just want to read past that? Like there's something to that. Like he was in the center. He wasn't coming down the side street over here. He was in the center, right? It says he was in the center of the procession equals value. This is what I take away from it. A value of prioritizing, oh man, prioritizing Jesus in our lives. Well, so we could actually put him like on the side street of our mind and our life and our actions and our situations and our circumstances, which is what ends up happening a lot of the times. He's like, he's going down the alley over here. But really like what he's requiring, what he's desiring and what he's asking is just to be the main thing, the priority, just like he comes in to the city and he is the main thing. Our mindsets, our focus, our attitude shifts when our focus is on him as the center. In Hebrews 3, it says, um, 
Let me go back to it. It says, talks about keeping our focus on Jesus. Just here's where I'm at. I know a lot of things sound really good. And I can hear that verse in Hebrews and say, keep my focus on Jesus. Keep my focus on Jesus. I know I need to do it. I really want to do it. Keep my focus on Jesus. Keep my focus on Jesus. And then, you know, I don't know what happens. And then I don't know where my focus is anymore. And so I think just where I'm at, like, with just everything is, like, removing the pressure and just saying, you know what? I want the desire of my heart to be Jesus is the focus. Now, I know there's going to be times where I'm going to probably go like this, and we need to bring it back to the center. But I think the key to a lot of that is in our worship. So good in our worship. So whatever that looks like for you. For you, worship may just look like getting in the word and digging into some really major like worship verses. For me, I have to turn on the music, and it has to be the right song, and I ha- and not like, don't hear me wrong, but God, what is the song that's going to minister that I need to listen to today that's going to minister to me? Because that's just how, that's just how I, that's just how I go. And um, just hearing the Lord in it. And then the next thing you know, as that, as we begin to put ourselves into this atmosphere of worship, what happens? Where does our focus go? It goes from like over here, now he's back at the center. Okay. So that's, um, that's the first half of that verse. Now the second half says, let's see. Yeah. Um, they were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings in the one who comes on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God. So they worshiped him. Um, so there's the opportunity to wear like, this is so, man, something's coming to me right now. So they are already worshiping him in the sense of laying out their garments, laying out their branches and all this type of thing. Now here he comes and now they're actually, so, so oh, this is good. So there was an action that they took and now they're verbalizing it, right? They didn't just lay the things down. No, he's coming through and now they're actually verbalizing their worship of him. Hmm. I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe we need to just take some actions, but we also need to verbalize it as well. And how many of you know that like, if you have something that you're believing in your brain that's not the truth, a lot of times if um, it's something that we're struggling with and we hold it in, basically what happens is it starts to run rampant in our brain and we just start to like try to figure it out in our brain and we're just we're just kind of like jumping on this wagon of like these lies and all this stuff. But the next thing you know, as soon as we speak it out and it goes out and how many of you have ever had this happen? You're like, man, that just sounds really dumb. That is such a lie. How am I spending all my week struggling with this? And now I speak it out. And I'm like, that made no sense. Right? So what? It, so that happens often. We struggle with things. Keep it in our brain. Keep it in our brain. And finally, once we speak it out and let it out, we're like, no. It's almost like this whole other level. And so what does that look like for our worship? As we're making actions and all these things, but now we're speaking things out. It just gets us to go to a whole other level in our worship and in our connection with him. Okay. Verse, let's move. Oh, they also, the, the word Hosanna, I think in some versions it's, it says Hosanna there. So we're going to talk about Hosanna for a minute. Initially, the word Hosanna meant save now. It was like a cry for help. That's what Hosanna initially meant. Side note. Do you guys know the song it's talking about Havana? You guys know what song we're talking about? Oh my gosh, they have a Christian 
version of this, and it's Hosanna, Hosanna. And it's like this Cuban woman. You gotta look it up. Just look up Hosanna. Type in Hosanna, Hosanna remix or something like that, and it's it's so incredible. We love it so much. We listen to it all the time. Back to the norm. Okay, now Hosanna originally meant save. Now it was this plea from these people who were oppressed, and then and then it turns into this opportunity in this. It actually became like a standard for the shout for a shout of praise. So it goes from this, and I think that parallels our worship. Sometimes we cry out in worship because we're like, save me, help me, and that's okay. And then it automatically starts to shift in to this opportunity, this, this shout of praise. How many of you have, have you ever experienced that where you come in and it's just like, oh, God, help me. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden we've shifted and now I just, that's over here. And I'm just like, oh, ah, so good. So good. All right. Verse 10. Verse 10. Okay. I love this part. All right. Verse 10. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. Okay. So verse 10. We're going to, we are going to, we are going to tick hell off because when he came in, the city was in an uproar. And I think it's such a parallel to what happens as our worship begins to take place. We create an uproar in hell. There is an uproar in hell that takes place as we begin our worship and as we are operating in an, in an atmosphere and in a heart of worship. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't just picture this Sunday morning. Uh, what do we... What is it when we all do it together? Community? Uh, corporate. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm not just talking about the Sunday morning corporate worship. I'm talking about in your car, in your prayer time, in your Bible reading, whatever that looks like, hell is shaking as we begin to just turn our hearts and, and our, turn on our worship. I, I just think that is just, that's just so powerful. So hell gets in an uproar. Spirit takes victory over our flesh, breakthrough, salvation, healing, deliverance, all these different things. You know, we've told story after story about the healings that have taken place during worship. Like, man, hell is mad and all of these things that are popping up, like God is taking care of it in our worship and the atmosphere of it. We're cultivating this victory over these different things. It's so, 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 so incredible. Okay, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. All right, so here's what I, here's how I'm ending. I'm telling you, I was short. I hope you don't feel cheated, but it does, it, I got a couple more verses. So we're always worshiping something, like I said. Now I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with a verse here that's like slightly convicting. Um, it's in Hosea 9. I think I better turn to the Bible because I just took notes and I don't want to just not say this right. So it's Hosea 9. Could take me a minute to find it. There it is. Hosea 9, verses 1. Okay. It says, O people of Israel, do not rejoice as other nations do, for you have been unfaithful to your God, hiring yourselves out like prostitutes, worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. Man, I felt like, I felt like I'm going to share that verse. That's intense. I'm going to read it again. For you have been unfaithful to your God, hiring yourselves out like prostitutes, worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. So this is the comparison here. 
as we're worshiping other things, remember I said we were made to worship. I'm going to read Psalm 100 here in a second. But as, as we're made to worship, we're, we're, our bodies, everything in us is like, that's what we're made for. We're made to worship. But it's our choice what we choose to worship, right? And as we're worshiping anything else other than him, he's, he's basically kind of like comparing us to hiring ourselves out like prostitutes worshiping other gods. Back in Isaiah, it's talking about back when the Lord was asking the people to do something. He was asking them to, um, like, mourn. He was asking them to be really somber about something. Can't remember all the details. But he, but he, when he found them, they were they were basically doing a whole other thing of worship. They were eating and drinking and playing and, and, and totally aside from what he had asked. And he's so so he's serious. He's serious about it. He is a jealous God. He is jealous for the thing he created us for to be for him. That's it. And so I today for me, I think the call is in John 4:24 it says to worship him in spirit and in truth. And the first part of that sometimes I think I actually think all the churches do half of this verse really well. Not being judgmental, but I'm just saying like the first half of that verse is like kind of referring to like a spiritual ceremony. You know, you go in, we have three songs, worship, good. Okay, but then there's this other part of that, and that is the and truth. And the truth is the part where he's asking us to be transparent and sincere in our worship. And if we stick to the first song and we do it for 30 minutes instead of doing one song, one, two, three, and then bridge of song two, and then, right? No, he just wants our transparent heart of surrender and I just think, you know, as he was entering in, knowing what was getting ready to take place, these people that are prophesying victory and they're, they're prophesying royalty. I mean, uh, I could, this message could go like 1,000 different directions, but worship is just, there's just so much to it. It's so much. There's these, all these different areas of it and just our heart and just, just our focus and just why we're doing it. And I don't know. I just wanted to encourage you today and challenge you today just to identify, like, what are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Are we in continual worship? Remember Rick Pino said um, he worships when he takes out the trash. He worships when he changes the poopy diaper. Like, Aaron called me this week. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm floating a pile of laundry because I always have five piles of laundry. And I, like, I feel like if they're washed and dried, then we're good. But then they like certain heap. And then, like, okay, I got to fold these and put these away. And he, and so I said, I'm folding laundry. And then he's like, oh, so you're worshiping. I was like, yes. Yes, I am. Got back on the track here. Yes, we are worshiping right now. Ah, oh, thank you for this one. Who wears five outfits every day? And, you know, all this type of thing. But, but really it is. It's this like... Ah, what what does it look like if as upper roomies we just we just take it like to the next level in our worship? Like we do it really well already, but like I just feel like there is just this call for us just to take it even deeper and not, you know, not maintain not to make sure that we're not doing just the spiritual ceremonial side of things, but to just take it transparent 
and vulnerable and surrender and really figure out what can I give as I worship? And we're gonna have the band come because we're gonna spend, see, it's only 10, 15. And so we're gonna spend 15 minutes of just worship. And what does that look like as I'm giving and I'm receiving and I'm giving and I'm taking and there's just this beautiful flow that's happening. Oh, so good. All right, so um, I'm gonna read Psalm 100 and then we'll, and we're gonna do some worship. <laughs> okay, it says, Psalm 100, one through five, it says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. In the middle of this, it's like a sandwich, because in the middle of it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then it goes back to, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I was just reading that, and I thought... It's interesting that he sandwiched that in the middle. Like, talking, telling us how to praise, how to worship, shout for joy, worship the Lord. And then in the middle, he reminds us, oh, he's the one who made us, right? I think it's a reminder of like, we were born to do this, guys. This is what we were made for. And then, verse 4, he goes back in, enter with thanksgiving, chords with praise. Like, it's just, I love God. And so it's just this opportunity. I want to sing and just invite you to worship. We have, like I said, it's just your choice. If you, if you need to get going, you can go. But I just want to invite you to just worship together. Just, I think as I, was, as I was speaking, there were pieces of you that were like, you know what, that is a part I withhold during worship. And so I just want to challenge you just to just to be free, just to be vulnerable, and invite you up here if you want to get in the aisle, like if you want to stand, just whatever that looks like for you. We're just going to worship just for the next 10 or 15 minutes, okay? If you want to turn the lights on, yeah. Just envisioning, like, I think let's just start with envisioning what that looked like when Jesus came in on a donkey as a humble man of peace. And these people that were just so thrilled inside and what they knew to do was initially honor and lay down things. And then it became this outward verbal, like, declaration and praise and victory declaration. Man, it's so good.
Sorry. 